Hey y'all, get under the covers and get comfortable because we're about to get intimate. No, not that kind of intimate, but close. Did you know that three of the most intimate conversations we can have are sex, mental health, and finances? Probably didn't expect that last one, did you? Financial challenges are actually one of the leading causes of divorce and stress today. A big reason? We don't talk about it. At least not thoroughly, anyhow. That's where I come in. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Marie, a certified wealth coach, best-selling author, and the creator of Bedroom Talks. Get Financially Intimate a podcast focused on bringing awareness to the importance of financial intimacy and enticing openness to get real in a judgment-free zone. Together, we're going to cover a multitude of financial topics so you can leap toward financial freedom with confidence. Are you ready? Grab your wine or whatever drink you prefer and let's unrobe this topic. Well, hello. And welcome to the Bedroom Talks podcast, where we get financially intimate. This is the beginning of our journey together. And speaking of journeys, I'd like to take you on one today. So this podcast has been on my heart for almost three years now, and I actually was gifted some resources on my 38th birthday to help me with the ability to do this, but I hadn't taken the steps. And a couple months ago, I was gifted some more resources and I decided it was finally time. It was finally time to make the moves and to bring this thing into fruition. And I truly believe that by doing so, it's going to help us all to become more intimate with our finances, more open, not necessarily to talk about everything with everybody, but to be more intimate and honest with yourself and within your households, especially in your marriages. I believe that this podcast is going to help to open up the conversation of finances and marriages and make them more peaceful and less judgment so that you can come to come together, come to a compromise and have a happier marriage, have happier relationships, be happier and more joyful with yourself if you're single. So I'm recording this from my bedroom. I am typically going to be in this chair. Sometimes I'm going to be in the bed. You know, it just depends on how I'm feeling. Depending on what time of day I record, I will either have a cup of coffee or a glass of wine. You do the same. If you're driving, please be careful. If you are tending to the kids or something or, or just at work, uh, you know, enjoy 
and listen as best as possible. And if you need to pause and come back, that's okay too. So are you ready to get started? Let's go backward. Gonna give a little bit of backstory and then take you from about 11 years ago forward to today. Okay, so I was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, which if you know anything about that area, it's not always been the greatest area. It was actually North Philly specifically that I was born in. When I was about 10 years old, mom moved us to Ohio, Toledo, Ohio to be exact again. Not the greatest area. We basically, I was raised by a single mother and we did have a lot growing up. She made the bare minimum, probably a little bit more than bare minimum. It was like a weird situation because we made too much to be able to get assistance, but not enough to really live off of, right? And, and, and I can imagine some of you might even feel this way right now. So I get it. 100% get how that is. I've watched my mother try to figure out how to make ends meet when there wasn't enough to go around. I watched her learn how to rob Peter PayPal. And I watched her lose three homes growing up and as I got older and I became an adult and I started figuring things out for myself I decided that I didn't want to repeat her mistakes I didn't want to be her so I pushed myself I overcame some really challenging situations that we'll eventually talk about during this podcast and joined the military and I thought I was doing amazing. I brought myself to this place where I was just under 30 years old and I decided that I wanted to buy a home. And the interesting thing is I was actually working through a process in the military where I was requesting medical board and knew there was a high possibility of getting out of the military. And I had this notion that even if I got out of the military, that I'd get a great job, that I'd be able to afford the home still, no matter what. So before I was 30 years old, officially, the April prior to my 30th birthday is when I purchased my first home. And I purchased at the top of my budget from being in the military. The following January, I believe it was, I ended up getting my medical discharge from the military. And I did not land the job. I was actually on unemployment for almost two months before I found temp work and eventually got hired into that company within about a year, but I was making somewhere between 30 and $35,000 a year, which is not a lot of money. And when you have a mortgage, 
that's rough. So I got a roommate. I thought, this is going to fix everything. I'll be fine. Eventually, I'll make more money. And we'll be good. Well, my roommate, after about a year and a half, decided that she wanted to get her own place. And she moved out. And I also, due to some of my own personal struggles and insecurities, and some things that I had not healed from from my past, I kind of didn't, I was afraid to get another roommate. I didn't know if I'd be able to handle a different roommate with different personalities and things like that. So I essentially had to come to this place of realizing that I was in over my head. I was in way over my head. I had this home that I couldn't afford. And I didn't know what to do. I also didn't learn very well how to not do everything that my mother did. I didn't learn how to manage my money. I didn't learn to save. I didn't learn that I needed to pay my bills on time. I mean, I knew it, but the habits weren't there. Like there was something that kept me from remembering, like it was the mismanagement of money. Like I wasn't, there was no schedule. There was no, okay, this gets paid here, this gets paid there, nothing like that. So all of this caused me to realize that I couldn't afford the house. And I was basically facing potential foreclosure and eventual bankruptcy. And that was hard. That was scary. And I didn't know what to do. I talked to someone that I knew from church happened to be a realtor and she suggested the short sale process. The short sale process essentially is where you ask the bank to accept less than what the home is worth. And this process can be daunting. It can take up to two years. And essentially you have to, even if you can pay some of your mortgage, you can't pay anything because you have to be in default on your mortgage in order to go through this process. So my credit was about to get even worse. But I didn't have a lot of choices. I was so afraid. I didn't know what was going to happen. I felt like a failure. I felt like I was repeating all of my mother's mistakes. I thought that I was just like her or what I saw of what she did growing up. And I didn't like that. I didn't like it at all. 
I was afraid that I would never overcome. Even even doing the short sale versus the foreclosure and bankruptcy, I literally thought there was no way for me to overcome. There was no way for me to come out of that situation and ever buy a home again. I actually had people tell me that I would never be able to buy a home again. And I didn't know any better back then. And I just was like, okay, this is scary and I don't know what to do, but I've got to try. So I put the house on the market, and then from there, I basically started researching, trying to find an apartment to live in. And let me tell you, that was hard because the home price, the the apartment prices were higher than my mortgage in some cases, or just about the same as my mortgage. So the only option I had was income-based housing. So there was this apartment that was, it was not low income, but essentially like you had to make more than a certain amount, but not above another amount. So that's what I put in for, to go live in income-based housing temporarily until my situation resolved itself. And I didn't really even know what that looked like. I just knew that I had to find another place to stay and that I had to do a short sale on my own. So I start walking forward through this. And about a week later, fear and panic started to set in. I doubted whether that was the right step. And I pulled the house off the market. I, di- I didn't know what I, I, did, I, I was just, I don't know, I just, I didn't even know exactly why. I just was like, wait, 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 I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. And then it was a couple of days later, I was talking to the realtor, I was talking to a friend of mine and my sister and just kind of was like, it's just the fear. It's just the fear. So I put the house back on the market. And I continued to walk through that process. Offer after offer after offer, waiting for the bank to answer, them not answering person pulling the offer out because they couldn't wait too much longer. All of this going on and me still not really knowing where I was going to end up. I was starting to have extreme anxiety to where I could literally feel the anxiety on my arms. It was the craziest thing. Feel it. I could, it felt like, I know this sounds insane to say this, but I felt like something was crawling on my skin, on my arms specifically. I know it sounds like 
outlandish, but that's how intense the anxiety was at that time. Depression was setting in. And I really just was struggling. I couldn't eat. I didn't even have a lot of money in the first place to be able to eat. And I started losing a lot of weight. And then there was the scariest day of my life. Scariest day of my life where I was sitting at work and I had this major panic attack. I knew it was anxiety, but I didn't realize it was a panic attack. I started hyperventilating because I felt like I couldn't breathe. And I had this image that popped in my head. And this image, it still makes me emotional today thinking about it because it was so real back then. And I still feel it today, not because I am still in that space. I've healed from it. Well, because I understand, I get it. And I, I don't ever want to forget how that feels because I want to be able to, one, remind myself that I'm never going back there again. I'm never going to let myself get back there again, but also I want to be able to encourage other people that they can overcome, even in the darkest situations. This moment, this moment, at work that day, when I had this panic attack. It was scarier than when I had an IED go off of my truck in Iraq. I had this image it popped in my head and it was, I saw myself sitting there and I saw myself put a weapon to my head. And I lost it. I, my, I just really started crying hysterically and I told my boss, I said, I need to go out to my car for a minute. I didn't tell her why, I didn't explain anything. I just said, I need to go out to my car for a minute. And I did something that I thought I would never do. I thought I would never have to do. But all of a sudden, in that moment, I remembered the veteran suicide hotline. And I called. The, answer, the lady answered the phone, and I'm, you know, hyperventilating, explaining, you know, what's going on. I told her that, you know, I started trying to explain to her what was going on and, and all that. And I just was so, the panic attack was so intense, she couldn't understand anything that I was saying. So she said, okay, she said, I, I want to hear what you have to say. I want to help you through this, but first I need you to be able um you know, to talk and, and, and to, you know, kind of calm, you know, calm down a little bit. 
so that way I can understand you. And she asked me if I had anything to drink nearby. I said, oh, actually, I have some water, which I never have water around me. Well, back then, I never did. And I said, yeah, I have a lot of water. She said, okay, take that, drink it. Drink it slowly. Don't drink it too, too fast. Just drink it slowly. So I'm drinking the water. And I start to feel myself calm down a bit. And when I finally got to a place where I wasn't in that panic attack, she explained to me that when we're having a panic attack, panic attack, we need to be able to get our mind focused on something else. And the easiest way to do that is to take and drink some water or something of that nature so that your brain, like it's sometimes your brain can't, do two things at once, right? So you have, if your brain is focused on, if your brain is in a panic attack and you start pouring water or something to drink on your throat, it's like, oh shoot, I don't want her to drown. Let me stop worrying about this and let me make sure she doesn't drown. And so that's what helped me to be able to come out of that panic attack. And then I explained what was going on. I told the lady about the image and she explained to me that she didn't think that I wanted to actually harm myself. She didn't think I wanted to actually end my life in that moment. She felt like that was my body's response, my mind's response to what was going on, that I was so overwhelmed, my mind was like, I just want this to end. I just want this situation to end. Not that I wanted to end my life or no longer be there, but just that my mind was so overwhelmed that it couldn't fathom how to stop the situation I was in. And from that moment, I was like, I gotta do something. I gotta do something different. I don't know how I'm gonna overcome. I don't know how I'm going to make sure that I never land in this situation again, but I gotta figure it out. One of the first steps was for me to be able to sustain myself. Like I said earlier, I was losing a lot of weight partly because of the anxiety and depression, and partly because of not having enough money to buy enough food. So I walked into a food bank for the first time in my life. At about 31 years old. And it was the evening. I was one of the last people there. And there was a point where the other person that was in the waiting room got called back and I was sitting in the waiting room by myself somewhere around seven o'clock in the evening. And I just started bawling. I just started bawling and I asked God a question 
and I didn't, I didn't even process what I was asking or what I was saying. I just spoke how I felt. I said, Lord, I don't understand why I'm here. I don't understand what I did to deserve this. I said, I'm a good person. Why am I here? The audacity at the time for me to say, I'm a good person, so I shouldn't have to go to a food bank. I, I mean, I just was so in my emotions at the time that I wasn't even thinking about how that sounded. That's how I felt in that moment. And it was probably one of the most humbling moments of my life because God gently spoke to me and said, you did this to yourself. And I was like, what? What do you mean? How? And he started to show me a little bit of the why's, which I mentioned earlier, the mismanagement of money, not saving, racking up debt. Guys, I had five maxed out credit cards at the time. Five maxed out credit cards. No savings. I ended up, um, before that moment, before that I had to walk into the food bank, I had weighed myself and I was at 103 pounds. 31 years old and 103 pounds. Just picture that. I looked sick. People that saw me thought that I was sick. And Looking back on pictures, I can see why. It wasn't for that moment of me deciding to call the suicide hotline and then to go to the food bank and ask God that question and get his response. It probably would have gotten worse. But from that moment, in the food bank. I decided enough is enough. I've got to figure this out. I've got to figure this out. So I started looking for resources. I searched the scriptures to find out what God said about money and managing money. And I started putting together steps for me to take in order to get out of that situation. I began to coupon. I was budgeting to a T, and I know the word budgeting is a hard word. I know it. But that's what I had to do. I had to literally manage every single penny that I earned. I started off small with the savings. I think I started off at like five or $10 a month. And 
I started paying off debt little by little and eventually got to the place where the home had sold. So that was about $200,000 wiped clean. I paid off all five of those credit cards. The total of the credit cards, they, they weren't extremely high limits, thankfully, but they were approximately $5,000. And then I had a car that was uh, roughly, or SUV that was roughly $25,000. And I had another personal loan, I can't remember the specific amount, but essentially it was somewhere around $250,000 in debt that I had all together. And I got nearly, actually I got essentially all of that paid off. It worked out within the next couple of years where between all of what I was doing to manage my money. I mean, I even did couponing for a period of time. And basically, things began to improve. I ended up leaving the job that I was at and got employment elsewhere with more resources and walked me through the ability to have higher pay over the next couple of years, which is something that the job that I was at previously didn't have. So between all of those things, I managed within about three, within about three to four years, I had all of that debt paid off, even my car. And then I decided that it was time for me to show other people what I was doing. It was time for me to educate, encourage, and equip others to be financially free and to build wealth, and more specifically with a generational impact. I had friends that were asking me why I wasn't doing this as a business because they saw what I was doing. They knew everything that I went through and they knew that I had overcome and they wanted to know the house. And when I, they started hearing me explain what I was doing and they were mind-blown and they started doing some of the same things and, and their situations changed and got better. And they just were like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this as a business? And I'm like, I don't know, I've never thought of it. And I had a friend who was starting her own business to help people start businesses and had a conversation with her and we helped put this thing together that is now my business. And I so enjoy being able to 
shed light into other people's lives and show them that it is possible to overcome your financial situations, no matter how crazy it is. There is always a light at the end of the tunnel. There is always a light at the end of the tunnel. Sure, sometimes it takes some work. A lot of times it takes some work. But there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it is possible. One of my life verses, which I actually have tattooed on my arm, is Philippians 4.13, which is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I believe that is true for you as well. Lean on the Lord. Lean on his resources. Trust the process. And know that he is giving you the strength each and every day. Each and every day. each and every day. So what can you expect from here? Essentially, this is going to be a weekly podcast, roughly 20 to 30 minutes, where I'm going to talk about a particular financial topic and give some tips and give some encouragement. There will be scripture, there will be prayer. You're not forced to listen to that. Take what speaks to you and apply it to the best of your ability. And I just simply ask that you appreciate anything else that is there. If it's not for you, just say no thank you. And Every once in a while, there's going to be guests come on. I want to be able to share not just my stories and what I've been through and what I've done to overcome, but I want you to hear from other people how they've done the same thing. So you're going to have weekly episodes from me and periodic bonus episodes where I'm going to have a guest share their personal stories. And I might have an expert or two now and then. Experts on things like real estate and taxes. You might not be able to talk about everything, but I'm going to try and get some of those resources for you. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that this journey that I've shared and the journey that we're beginning today is going to be one that brings you more peace, brings you more joy, and helps you on your journey to financial freedom. If you've enjoyed this episode, I ask that you will subscribe leave a review and a rating. Maybe even share this episode with somebody. Somebody you think it would bless. And when I thank you for listening, 
I'm doing this for you and you listening to this episode brings me so much joy. I can't wait to hear about how this encourages you or what things that you were thinking about while you were listening. So feel free to comment that. And I can't end this without thanking my family and friends for all the support that they've provided to me along the way. And I especially cannot end this without thanking God for his strength and his support. So thank you, Father God. Thank you for those that are listening today. Thank you for their hearts and their minds. Thank you for guiding me. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for bringing this to my heart. Thank you, Father God, for helping each person that's listening right now in their particular situation. And thank you for opening up the door to financial intimacy in all of our homes. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Talk soon, friends.